Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Once again, we're starting with the situation in our hospitals. But this morning I listened to the words of Professor Connor Deasy. He is a consultant at CUH. He's also the president of the Irish Association for Emergency Medicine. He's been speaking this morning about some very, very scary, and that's the word I'd use, scary statistics. They have 35 what they call clinical spaces. That's where they can treat people. 35 clinical spaces at the emergency department in CUH. And since last evening, in or around 120 people have turned up looking to be seen, looking to be treated. Obviously, various levels of sickness, various levels of of urgency, uh, so to speak. There's 117 people waiting there. 45 are on trolleys. And he said last night, while he was working his own shift, Professor DC said he'd met patients who had actually held off going to the hospital for several days because they'd been hearing about how busy the emergency departments were. And of course, if you're sick, you might get sicker by not going to see somebody. Uh, it's a grim situation. A friend of the show, Irish Medical Times columnist and retired consultant, in emergency medicine at both the CUH and the Mercy. Uh, Dr. Chris Luke, you know the situation on the ground there, Chris, as well as, if not better than most. Very bleak words this morning from your, your former colleague and friend, uh, Conor DC. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Now, unfortunately, uh, I, I didn't manage to hear what Conor said, but uh, I can only imagine that they were uh, the words of someone who is facing what sounds like the most difficult scenario in the history of CUH. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was, I saw the article on the Echo Live, the Cork Echo Live, uh, which said that there were 300 patients attended the emergency department CUH on Tuesday, uh, which is a record. And it's an absolutely staggering number of people. Uh, if you think that the department is probably better suited to the likes of 100, 150 patients uh, per, per day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 a really staggering figure, and I gather that there were uh, I'm not sure whether it was last night's figures, but roughly 88 people on trolleys, mm-hmm. um, a few of them on on corridors in in the hospital wards, but but most of them sadly on on the corridors and the nooks and crannies of the emergency mm-hmm. department itself. So yes, a, a particularly grim situation. He was explaining this morning 35 clinical spaces. And over a hundred people waiting to be seen. That's that's not tenable. That's, that's just not tenable. No, 
No, and uh, unfortunately, I, I'm all too familiar with the sense of being absolutely overwhelmed. And I was, uh, I suppose, on behalf of the, the, the exhausted staff, I was, I was very glad uh, and grateful to see that the chief executive, David Dunnigan, had expressed his admiration and thanks to the staff. And he, most importantly, he said he realised that they were working under extraordinary duress and, they, and they, you know, they, these were exhausting uh, and really, you know, extraordinarily difficult situation. Um, so, I, I mean, I, my, my, my heart goes out to the staff. It obviously also goes out to, to all the patients who have to wait in these, uh, in these conditions. But I suppose it, it, it prompts us to, to discuss, uh, you know, uh, initial or, you know, quick fixes uh, as well as the long-term solutions. Mm. Something else that Professor DC said this morning was he'd actually spoken to people during his shift that had held off going to the hospital and now they were sicker again. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, PJ, you and I have discussed this over the, the, the last number of years. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a basically a fact that's more or less accepted now uh, as, as, you know, reinforced by, by data, by figures, facts, studies that delay in diagnosis Delay in treatment results in worse outcomes, uh, and you know that, that that's just a reality that we have to accept. If we're faced with uh, congested, overcrowded, uh, inundated emergency departments as we are around the country, uh, you know we have to accept that in parallel there will be you know uh, worse outcomes for for those for those involved. Mm. In the mercy as well of recent weeks, you know the makeshift beds in the aisles of the wards. Chris, we're a thriving comp- country. We've a thriving, we're a thriving economy. We're almost full employment. We've a, we're a very strong nation. How are we in this kind of a mess? Um, there, there, one has to... I mean, to, to put it bluntly, there's been a, a woeful failure of planning. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I always notice about people when they're having conversations about public health issues whatever it is, violence, heart attacks, strokes, the elderly, they're always looking at fixed pictures. You know, they look at, they're looking at photographs as opposed to videos. And, you know, you and I know that the population of Ireland has changed radically, has grown radically uh, over the last 20 to 30 years. And about 30 years ago, uh, a couple of ministers uh, of health in quick succession slashed the bed stock in the country by something like a third or uh, roughly 30%. We've never got those 30% uh, of beds back. And in the meantime, the country popula- country's population has grown, you know, staggering. We've recently exceeded 5 million for the first time since the famine. Um, so, you know, when I was a boy, when, you know, when you and I were boys, um, the population of this country was something uh, of the, in the early 60s was something of the order of 2 to 3 million, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's 5.1 million. So that, that's the kind of you know, moving video I'm talking about, that um, they keep planning for what seems to be fixed points uh, on, a, on, a, on a graph when you know, the, the situation is constantly evolving, sometimes more rapidly uh, than others, and often far more rapidly than, than the plans have been made for. So the bottom line is we are way, way uh, behind in terms of the number of beds per head of population mm-hmm. compared with our, 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 the average country in, the, for example, the OECD or the EU. And at the moment as well, there's a recruitment ban, which means that people who have left or retired or whatever can't be replaced. That does not help. No, and it's also really very, very bad for morale when you when you realise that you know a, a dear friend, comrade, uh, colleague 
is leaving uh, and, they, and they're saying, and, and is there anybody replacing you? You say, no, there isn't. And you already know that you've both been you know, put to the pin of your collar for, for months, if not years. Uh, and, and you had that colleague who's now departing, but not, not to be replaced. And the idea that people will get sick or have crises, uh, that, they, you know, that they may or may not be able to leave the department, but they will feel guilty because that's the nature of healthcare staff, particularly in the trenches. They tend to be the, 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 the good Samaritans among us, uh, and they tend to be very you know, driven by, the, by, by, by a moral impetus to, to care. So they, they, they quit their posts, or they, 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 they even quit for a day uh, feeling extremely guilty. Yeah. Uh, take, go on. Sorry. sorry. No, no, sorry, PJ, sorry. When I take calls from other parts of Europe, from, you know, Cork people who are living in Spain and France and places like that, Spain in particular, the speed at which you can see a doctor is extraordinary. You can be scanned there and then if, if, you, if, you, if you go to the department. There don't seem to be queues. France, the same, don't seem to be queues. Even the NHS, which is always creaking, seems to work faster than the HSE. What is happening in other countries to make it work? That doesn't happen here. Well, I, I uh, you know, I spent 14 years in the NHS, PJ, so I can uh, sadly assure you that the NHS is struggling in much the same yeah. way as we are. Oh, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. They, had, they, had, they had to bring the army in in the last 18 months to uh, to deal with uh, situations where there were 12 or 18 emer- uh, ambulances outside huge emergency departments, massively overcrowded. And you know, I, I've said to you before, we think we're losing hundreds of people a year. Uh, because of the delays, but they're losing thousands in the, in the UK. So <clears throat> the UK and the Irish health systems are, are sadly very comparable in terms of planning and, and evolution. They both have almost identical problems. It, uh, in Europe, they have a very different insurance arrangements. So there are far more, for example, private hospitals, private specialists, cl- you know, clustering. Uh, if you know the way, if you walk in a, any large uh, French city, you'll often see, you know, specialist names on, on brass, uh, brass plaques in houses, residential houses. You know, in the vicinity of hospitals. So there's lots, huge amounts of private practice. They also pay far more tax. And this, of course, is, is the fundamental issue. Uh, you know, it, we're, we're, to, in many respects, we're looking for sort of French uh, standards of care, but we want to pay American uh, levels of tax. And, and that's the ultimate mismatch. We, we, we don't uh, ultimately pay uh, uh, enough money into the, the health copper. And that's because of the rapid evolution of the population, the rapid aging of the population, uh, changes in the, de- in the, in the demographic and, and so on, and changes in the population statistics in and around, you know, small and large towns mm. and cities in this country. So th- th- that's an, a, a bleak fact, but, but inevitably there's also uh, a fairly uh, wocious difficulty in terms of anticipating all of this. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is there any way that we as ordinary citizens can help the situation as we speak? Huge. There are huge things we can do. And, you know, if it's any consolation, uh, PJ, I was listening to a piece in London earlier today and the, the former head of the British Army was saying to the people of Britain they need to prepare for war. Uh, a similar uh, uh, assertion was made by a Dutch admiral last week and by a German rear admiral this week. So, you know, I need, we need to, I suppose, uh, realise that, you know, things are changed. I mean, for example, I worry about a recession. You know, I mean, all the kind of, uh, there seem to be a lot of red flags in terms of a recession in, in, in this economy. Uh, and God knows what may happen to our economy, uh, given that, you know, 10 American multinationals currently based in this island pay about 50% of our GDP. So, you know, we're, we're quite exposed in this island, not just meteorologically, but, you know, but in economically and, and, and politically. And, and I think we need to also recognise that going forward, healthcare is going to be challenging for absolutely everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire or a pauper. If you end up in a massively overcrowded emergency department, you may well have to wait for hours or, or, or even days. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think people need to really, really proactively uh, mind themselves. For example, they need to make sure that they've got a regular, secure supply of the, of the medications that they use for their blood pressure, for their diabetes, for their, for, for, for even for pain and, tum- and tummy problems. They need to consult the pharmacist on a regular basis. Make sure you're friendly with your local pharmacist. They are extraordinarily valuable uh, resources uh, in terms of information and guidance uh, and so forth. And an awful lot of rem- uh, ailments are self-limiting and would have been managed by our, our own grandmothers. So we need to co- kind of go, in a sense, go back to that ethos where, you know, like grandmothers, we, we'd, we'd always uh, tend to think of what can we do here before we reach for the doctor. Uh, I think everybody really should have a once a year checkup with their dentist or their, their, their GP. And, I, and the reason I say that is, for example, one of the, the leading drivers of hospitalization for children, for example, is dental caries. Really? Uh, and uh, it turned, I, I read a paper there last week which said that uh, people who've had one consultation with their GP tend to do much better if there's an emergency than those who, who haven't had a recent consultation. In other words, you're, you're trying to constantly tweak uh, the, the, the background mm. uh, you know, medical wellness if you do have yeah, a crisis, so that you're as well as possible. You have the additional problem in community at the moment, Chris, where people can't get to see a GP. Yes, the no, GP's I'm books absolute, are full. I'm absolutely conscious of that. I and mean, we've discussed that before, the, the shrinking availability of, of general practitioners, the shrinking number. Uh, of, of GPs who are, who are because of, of retirement uh, and, and so forth. So, I, again, I'm very conscious of that. But, you know, there are things like the Urgent Care Centre uh, in Guanabara, which does wonderful work. 
there, there are sometimes you can take a, a sports injury to a physiotherapist first rather than particularly if you've had it for a couple of weeks uh, rather than heading to an emergency problem which does happen you know PJ still uh, you know we, 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 we do uh, in emergency departments still uh, have to provide a, a, an awful lot of services that should ideally be done in, in other places such as pharmacies such as GP surgeries such as outpatient clinics and so on mm. so uh, but, but the most important thing I, I suppose uh, BJ to your, for your listeners for everybody is to try and think ahead how can I you know, avoid a trip to the hospital if at all possible. You know, by you know, what 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 are the what are the things I can do to, to mind myself or my or my loved ones so that you know we we, we don't end up going to hospital mm-hmm. if at all possible. You know, so I know, I know that sounds a little bit pious, but I, I you know I genuinely think that that healthcare is is so challenging now nationally. Uh, on both sides of the IRC that people are you know really need to think proactively and think ahead. I remember a time when you said that A&E, now known as ED, but A&E, instead of standing for accident and emergency, in your experience, was standing almost for anything and everything. That's still there. Correct. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I was giving a talk last night to, to, to medical students and, and, and talking about, you know, one of the major drivers of overcrowding is that we do uh, find people who are waiting for years literally on waiting lists to despair and pitch up in the emergency department we have all we have like possibly half a dozen people who are homeless every day coming to the emergency departments in, in the city we have people with addiction problems that cannot get treatment uh, we have people who are tourists to the city we have people who are shoppers we have students late at night you know there are huge numbers of people who are coming uh, to their emergency departments because they're, they're, because of, of the limited number uh, of, of, of alternatives so you know we need to be constantly thinking about, you know, the, the overcrowding. This is my mantra: the overcrowding in our emergency departments is there because the emergency department is now the only portal of access to the health service yeah. for so many people, and it shouldn't be, and it can't be, and there have to be other um, gateways into into healthcare. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, you and I spoke about what's happening down at Afadia. Within days of us having that conversation, there there was a seventy-five euro fee. Uh, put up on it by the HSE um, because there were apparently queues to get in there. Like it just shows how much extra capacity, extra, extra places to go are needed. Yeah. And the cliche PJ that I offered you at the time was "build it and they will come." Yeah. So uh, I, you know, we we live in a I think in a fairly Americanized society now, and, and I think that part of the part of what's going to be seen in the landscape now of healthcare of the, of the next five ten years, and perhaps necessarily so, is is, is far more places like Athadia and the VHI out in Mahan uh, and so on and so forth. So in other words, we need to have a proliferation of various models of care. We need more in, in, in local injury units because they're wonderful. We just need more of them. Uh, we need more rapid uh, access for general practitioners to, to imaging and scanning uh, because of people on waiting lists. Because, you know, for example, once upon a time when I worked at the Mercy and there was always waiting lists for orthopedic uh, care, I used to suggest to people who have not insurance, well, would you have the €150 Euros to get an MRI scan? Uh, because if they had the €150 Euros for the MRI scan, that could catapult them up in terms of the system. Now, that was what I called a third way. 
you know, I mean, people were people were in great distress. There was a public waiting list of, of 18 months. But if they had an MRI scan, which confirmed that they had a, a, a cruciate tear or they'd ruptured the rotator cuff on the shoulder, that meant that by definition there was proof that they needed urgent uh, specialist intervention, and then they got it. So again, we need to be imaginative. We need to be inventive. We need to constantly think of ways around, you know, work around and, and, and uh, ways around of filling gaps and, 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 and so on. But, you know, we are very solution driven in emergency medicine. Uh, and I can assure you that they're constantly uh, inventing ways of, of, of fixing the problems. But there, there is a, uh, at the moment, where, as from what I can gather, they're, they're completely overwhelmed. So, yeah. you know, we need to multiply the number of alternatives. I imagine that they must feel, your colleagues uh, must feel, abandoned by the leadership of the country? Uh, well, uh, so speaking as someone who worked for 37 years in the trenches, uh, I mean, there were countless occasions when I felt absolute despair and absolute rage uh, and purple mist would descend. And it was only because I needed to conceal that from the patient in front of me that I didn't rant even more. I mean, I know that sounds difficult to believe, PJ, but I would have ranted even more if I wasn't so busy, you know, uh, shoveling in, 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 the, in the trenches. But yes, uh, many staff do feel utterly abandoned. And that's why it's so important to recognize that one of the most important qualities and, uh, you know, uh, requirements of leadership is to, is to pitch up in the trenches. So it's absolutely vital that people like chief, chief executives and directors of nursing uh, and so on are, are in the department on a daily basis, in, 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 whether it be CUH or Tala or Limerick. You know, if the situation is so bad that you're always on the front pages, then you, know, you need to see the most senior um, uh, ma- managers and, and leaders in those departments because it should be all hands on deck. And as many people from the rest of the hospital should be down trying to uh, lend a hand with sleeves rolled up and get stuck in. Uh, there are people doing their bit on the wards to uh, discharge patients and then uh, people coming down to the department to try and lend a hand in terms of, of identifying things that can be preempted or, or deterioration that can be avoided and anticipated and so on and so on. Yeah. Lastly, you've talked about the nursing home sector too. That, that's in trouble and that adds to the problem. Yes, um, I delved into that whole nursing home thing because my, my beloved mother and my, my equally beloved mother-in-law both spend the last uh, weeks of their lives in nursing homes in the last couple of years, last few years anyway. And so I had first-hand experience of the nursing home sector and then I was asked to give a keynote address at the Nursing Home Ireland uh, annual conference in Kilkenny a, a few months ago. And I was dismayed to learn that there is a massive hemorrhage of staff and a massive rate of closure of particularly local and community nursing homes, you know, small private uh, nursing homes uh, all around the country. You know, dozens are closing uh, each year over the last two years. And again, because... People like you and me and many others are talking about, oh, we, we need to discharge uh, people who are medically fit with discharge to nursing homes and community hospitals. And then to learn that the community hospital, or certainly the nursing home sector, is, is like general practice and that it's, it's not quite imploding, but it's rapidly shrinking uh, for want of resources and, and strategic planning and so on, is also deeply worrying. So that's a, uh, the nursing home sector is somewhere where we need really, really urgent action. And, and I, I say it again, and I say it again, uh, they need to start by paying nursing home staff 
better wages. They need to treat them like the professionals that they are. If you and I are, 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 are you know, putting the people that we love most dearly in the world into the care of nursing homes, we want the people involved to be the best possible professionals that they can be. And pe- professionals uh, who sacrifice so much and put patients ahead of themselves, uh, they need to be rewarded. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of even just the average uh, wage, not treated, uh, you know, uh, as an afterthought and paid the minimum wage. The minimum wage is not good enough for people who are so professional mm-hmm. and who are so dedicated and who sacrifice so much for the people who we, who we love so dearly. All right. Chris, leave it there. As always, uh, a pleasure to have your insights on the opinion line. Dr. Chris Luke, retired consultant in emergency medicine, uh, currently writes for the Irish Medical Times. He's also behind the Irish Medical Lives podcast. And his book, which I recommend at any opportunity I can get, is called A Life in Trauma. Uh, you get that in any good bookshop. If that's not an insight into how our system works or doesn't work, then there's no other book has achieved it. It's wonderful. Quartz 96 FM Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.